God wants to do something amazing in our hearts today, and I really mean that by way of revelation. I believe he's going to do some things today, and, and we are actually in the book of Revelation, finishing up our series called Seven Letters, Seven Letters to the Seven Churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. They're actual cities, actual churches that Jesus was speaking to, and we've got to, all the way to the last one, to number seven, and even though he's speaking to those churches, he's also speaking to us today, and so as it says at the end of these letters, each one of it, it says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And that's our, really our job is just to have open hearts, open ears, and to be led by the Spirit, to be open to the Spirit, and to see what God might do in us and say to us. So Revelation chapter 3, verse 19, this is the end of the letter to the church in Laodicea. It says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, right here in this passage, we see the Trinity. Jesus is speaking. We see him mention the Father, and then we see the, by the Spirit, all three there. Now, it talks about discipline and reproof. Hebrews talks about this, that a loving father disciplines and reproves. How many of you guys are thankful that on this Father's Day, we have a loving father who will discipline and reprove us at times, but he loves us enough that he's still knocking on the door, even in the midst of that time, to come and have fellowship with us, even as he's doing those things, right? We have a loving father like that. And so I, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. And I'm reminded on this Father's Day that without that in our life, if we don't invite that into our life, we can get off course really, really quick. You know, and so conviction is something in our life and in our heart that we need to invite in, that we should welcome in. That's actually a wonderful thing because it proves that our God loves us and that he is a loving father. You see, many of the problems that we have in society can be traced back in one way or the other as a result of absent natural fathers in the world. I mean, we could see, you know, statistic after statistic of these things being traced back to that, even just naturally. Let me give you some of them that I, I heard this week. Uh, one of them is that children without fathers are four times, now, that doesn't mean you don't ever have a father. You have to have had a father. Uh, without fathers in the home uh, are four times more likely to live in poverty are more likely to suffer emotional and behavioral problems, have higher levels of aggressive behavior than children born into married homes, are more likely to go to, go to prison. Only Listen to this. Only one in five prison inmates grew up with their father present. That's kind of telling, isn't it? Uh, without fathers, kids are twice as likely to be involved in early sexual activity. Now, that's not to depress us here on Father's Day, but that is to, th there really is a point why I shared that. Because what I want you to see today is not the depressing statistics. What I want you to see in those depressing statistics are that, that you as a father, let me just talk to the fathers real quick. If you're a father in the house today, I want you to know, as, you can just look at those statistics and know that you make a difference. That you make, and I'll say it this way, you make a disproportionate weighted difference. That even the little acts that you do because of the state of the society that we live in, they have a multiplied return. And the things that we think are little and insignificant because of where things are at right now, that everything we do has a multiplied effect. 
And so you make a difference way more than you maybe even understand. And I've shared this statistic before, but if a woman gets saved and comes to Jesus, there's a 23% chance the family will follow. But if a dad gets saved, it's a 92% chance that the family will follow Christ. Now, to be honest, I can't remember where I heard that statistic, but I don't even have to have the statistic to know that there's a truth to that. Because I've witnessed that pastorally over the years, over and over and over again. That when God gets a hold of a father's heart, if the father gets a hold of the father's heart and that father begins to lead his family, begins to love Jesus with all of his heart, the family, why does that happen? Many times it's because kids imitate their fathers. How many of you guys have done that even maybe to your, like, I didn't even want to do that, but I found myself imitating my, my dad, you know? And I, I, you know, all, all those things just kind of happen over time, right? But even Jesus did. What, what, what is happening? You know, uh, I, when Jesus was 12 years old, you guys remember the story? They're going to the festival. Mary and Joseph are going to the festival, to the feast. They're on their way home. They get a day or two or whatever away, and they're traveling in a big group, and then they're all of a sudden like, Mary and Joseph were like, where's Jesus at? You know, they lost the son of God. Talk about horrible parenting. And they have to go back, right? And they find out Jesus is there in the temple. And he, they said, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just about my father's business. Even Jesus is imitating the father. He says that he does nothing except for what, he see, what the father shows him to do. And so this is just wired into us. This is just kind of how it works. So much so that kids many times we'll try to act out to get the attention of parents, mainly fathers, father figures in their life. I was a youth pastor for many, many years, and I know there are instances where this is not the case, but I ran into several where it was the case, where teenagers would threaten suicide, not because they actually wanted to go through with it, but simply because they wanted to see if anyone would notice or care if they weren't there. And so they were trying to just get attention. And so I've heard it said this way, that the opposite of love is not hate, but apathy, indifference. Isn't that the worst thing? Like, I'd rather have somebody just hate me than just, like, be indifferent towards me, right? And that was the exact problem that was happening in this church in Laodicea. It's not like they, that they hated God. They, but at the same time, they weren't all out in love with God either, Somewhere along the way, they'd become apathetic. They'd become what the scripture says and what Jesus said is that they were lukewarm. They were indifferent towards God. Their love for God had just, they'd just grown disinterested. And so today, what I want to challenge us in is, are there areas of our life maybe where we've grown disinterested? It's not like we hate God or we don't, it's not like we're even dead on the inside. We've just kind of grown indifferent. And if there is an area like that in our life, then what a great opportunity that a loving father here today is leading us to the point of repentance, to the point of reproof or conviction, so that we can uh, not be apathetic, but so that we can return to our love for God once again. That was the problem in Laodicea, so let's get background, history, and a little bit of the letter to the church in Laodicea. Let's watch. Laodicea is located about a mile south of the Lycus River in the Lycus Valley region of present-day Turkey. We're about 10 miles northwest of Colossae and about 5 miles south of Hierapolis, the other two cities in this famous triangle of ancient wealth. Laodicea was annexed by Rome in 133 B.C., 
And because of its location on the main trade route of Asia Minor, it became one of the richest cities in the area. Because of its banking, agriculture, its marble trade, its black wool industry, and its innovative medical school, Laodicea became one of the most important and prominent cities in the area at the time that John wrote Revelation. Laodicea is three square miles of magnificent buildings and shining marble, but it's the unique features of the city, the water system, the textile houses, and the medical school that get alluded to in John's letter. Now, the water system here was a marvel of engineering, piping in water from springs nearly five miles away. But the biblical insight comes when you contrast the water here at Laodicea with the hot springs of nearby Hierapolis and the cold mountain water of nearby Colossae. By the time the water reached here in Laodicea with its aqueduct system, the water was lukewarm and filled with mineral deposits, which probably made it unpleasant to drink. To the church here, John delivered the following warning from Jesus. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Revelation 3, 17 and 18. The medical school at Laodicea was famous throughout the Roman world and was known for ophthalmology, including an eye salve or ointment that has been mentioned by multiple ancient sources. John even used the original Greek word for this eye medicine. Now, the people of Laodicea were called lukewarm and later wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. They were advised to buy gold to become rich white garments to clothe themselves and eye salve to anoint their eyes. As such, the letter to the Laodiceans pointed to things that Laodicea was famous for in the ancient world in order to deliver a deeper spiritual message. So by the time the hot water got to Laodicea and the cool refreshing water, it was lukewarm. That's the picture that Jesus is painting there that they'd become Apathetic, apathetic, however you want to look at that. And so uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 18 is going to be our key verse. It says this, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes that you may see. There's three things mentioned here. These are three things that can refine us. He talks about being refined. These are also three things that I look for. We'll see a hint of these things that I look for when I'm looking for leaders to raise up. There's, there's three distinctive marks. These are also marks, I believe, of a growing disciple. If you want to you know, be growing in God, these are things, and we'll see what they are, but these are things that are mentioned right here that are representations of what uh, we can look at to, to grow. And let me just speak again to the fathers. Let me just challenge fathers for a second. Let's lead the way in these areas. Because I know that if we lead the way, 
and our families will follow, the business we're a part of will follow, whatever your situation is, I, I believe we can lead the way in these things as a witness to the world, as a witness to our family. First thing is this, we can be refined by revival. Refined by revival. Back up one verse and we'll see what this means. In Revelation chapter three, verse 17, he says this, he says, for you say, I am rich. You say, I have prospered and I have need of nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. He's not talking about natural riches here. He's saying, you think you're spiritually rich, but you're actually poor. He's saying, you're not dead like one of the other churches, but you're actually deceived. You think you're spiritually rich, but you're actually poor. And you need something to be stirred up on the inside of you. You're lukewarm. Now, how many of you guys were here last week when I talked about what, what if we looked at time rather than money? What if we looked at our time as the real wealth and riches that we could give up as an offering to God? How many of you guys were here for that? What if we looked at time? And many of us have longed for that. We said, man, God, if I had more time, I would study the Bible more. If I had more time, I would start that, that small group. If I had more time, I would serve more. If I had more time, I would start that ministry. If I had more time, I'd spend more time with my kids or with my spouse. How many of you guys have ever prayed that prayer before? Like, I want that. I want more time. And God, show me how to do that. Well, we recently had an experiment on this very topic. And it was a worldwide experiment, COVID-19. How many of you guys remember that time? Anybody remember that? Where all of a sudden, everyone had more time than they wanted, right? And so all of a sudden, we were gifted this time that we always have said, or maybe longed for, God, if I had more time, I would. If I had more time, I would. And all of a sudden, we had this worldwide experiment where everyone was given more time. And by every account that I've seen personally, relationally, statistically, we didn't see more Bible study increase. We didn't see prayer increase. We didn't see people uh, you know, making these changes that we all said we would if we just had more time. What we actually saw was uh, irritability increase. Come on, somebody, right? What we actually saw was conspiracies towards one another and conspiracy theories increase. We, we actually saw division increase. We saw Netflix subscriptions increase, right? And so we had this big experiment. And so let me just make an amendment to what, and just amend what I said last week. We, we need time, yes. But it's not just time that we need. We need time plus hunger. We need time plus hunger. Because if all you have is time, you can squander time. But if you have time plus hunger, all of a sudden now you have something. And so we need to be praying for that hunger, for that revival, for that hunger on the inside of us. Now, I heard somebody recently talk about this whole topic. And they said, you know, hey, if we missed it, if you were one of those that, like, I had all the time, but I squandered the time, God's not mad at us. God's not trying to put shame or condemnation on us. That's not from God. But what God does is he reveals things to us, and now we know. Now we know that if we were gifted this time we're praying for, our default mode is to drift rather than pursue. And so now we know. Now we can learn that when, when God gives us a new gift of time, that we can add time plus hunger, and then God can work with that, right? God could do something with that. So we don't just need time. We need time plus 
hunger in order to have revival in our heart. Revival requires a hunger from God. And hunger, by the way, is one of the things that I look for if I'm looking for a leader or I believe is, a present, is present in a growing disciple. Just simply a hunger, because you can't fake that. You could try, but eventually that's gonna burn out. Eventually it's gonna be revealed. But if you have a hunger, man, that's going to drive you towards the things of God. That's gonna drive you. Now, in 2017, January 2017, Many of us went on a fast. Many of you guys were, were a part of that. And I fasted food, like no food, 21 days, water, a little bit of juice here and there for 21 days. Always ask, people would always ask me about day 20, 21 or around that time, can you live that without? You're talking to me. Yes, you can. You can live. And, but something interesting happens to me, and no, it doesn't happen to everybody. It happens to a lot of people, though, if you go on a long fast. About, for me, it was about day 15, day 16, somewhere in there. No food for like a couple weeks, right? And I wake up, and all of a sudden, I'm not hungry. Or I don't have an appetite. Like, even I have cravings for food, but I didn't really have, like, an appetite for food. And it's like, I haven't ate for days. I should be hungry. And then all of a sudden, you have this feeling of, that's kind of scary, like, am I dying? Like, what's going on? I don't have any, I haven't ate, and I'm not hungry. I know I should be hungry. I know I'm supposed to be hungry. I know that I, like, physically, I, I really am, but I don't feel like I'm hungry. And that's where some of us can get when we get, go without spiritual food for a long time. We get to this point where all of a sudden we don't feel hungry. Like, we don't have an appetite for the things of God. We know we should have an appetite for the things of God, but we don't. We know that, that you know, following Jesus should produce that in us, but we don't, and it's scary. How many of you guys ever been there before? I have. But here's what I want to encourage you. If you're in that place right now, and you know, I don't feel hungry for God, but I should, and it's kind of scaring you right now. Here's what I want you to know, that when I was on that fast and I didn't feel hungry, there was deep down at a deep level my body was actually hungry. And I want you to understand that if you've been following Jesus, if you said yes to Jesus, there's a deep place in you that actually still does hunger for God. And you just, and, and if you don't feel that right now, let me give you a helpful prayer that I pray from time to time. I've prayed it a lot. And it's, it's something like this. God, I don't feel hungry for more of you, but I want to feel. God, I don't feel like serving you, but I want to feel that. I don't feel like saying yes to this today, but I want to want. And that's a good prayer to pray. That's not a bad prayer to pray. If you're there today, what that does is that gets you moving. And so God wants to refine some things in us, but sometimes we've got to have not just time, but time plus hunger. And sometimes to jumpstart the hunger, we just say, God, I don't want right now, but I want to want. And the Bible says that as we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. And even, even if you don't feel it, but you start taking steps towards God, he will take steps towards you, amen? He will. All right, the second thing is we are refined by relationships. There's relationships actually are part of the refining process. How many of you guys have some relationships in your life right now that are maybe doing some refining in your life, right? Maybe they're even in your house. It's Father's Day weekend. It's Father's Day, and so we need to have a Father's Day video, right? So let's go ahead, and let's, we are refined by relationships. Maybe you've experienced some of this. Let's watch.
life is always fair. I really enjoy repeating myself over and over again. I just love when the kids talk back to me. I don't care if you get a job this summer. I don't care if you get detention. Uh, I, I can't open this jar. See if mom can open it. Just take your time in there, okay? No means maybe. Hey, why don't you bring that ball inside and play with it? Hey, don't put that back where you found it. Just leave it on the floor. Ew, bacon. If you put a dent in the car, it's really no big deal. It's 10 a.m. Go back to bed. Look, whatever your friends are doing, just do the exact same thing. I got more than enough sleep last night. If your friends are okay with it, then I'm okay with it. Stop signs are just a suggestion. You don't need a chaperone. You don't need a seatbelt. You don't need a savings account. You should buy the jeans with the holes in them. Hey, we're all gonna go to church, but you can just sleep in, okay? Can we please just hang out in here for another 10 minutes? Hey, can we get some more bickering back there? All right, bills! Yay, traffic! Woohoo, taxes! Yes! Laundry! Hey, can you kids come in here and jump on my bed? Quick, go tell mom what happened right away. You don't need to finish your dinner. Hey, look at your phone when I'm talking to you. I wish I had a smaller TV. We got you that phone for a reason, texting boys. All right, everyone, listen up. Mom and I are going out of town this weekend, so please mess up the whole house while we're gone. Please throw a few parties while we're gone. Please forget about the dog entirely while we're gone. Hey, when you're finished pouring that, can you just leave it out on the counter all day? Thanks. I'm gonna bungee jump out of this tree. That's a really good idea. Yeah, you guys been there before? All right, go back to our key verse. Focus, people. Revelation chapter three, verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. And then he goes on to this next thing. White garments so that you may clothe yourself from, and, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. You know that shame, think about this, shame is relational. The only reason we experience shame is because we're afraid of being exposed to God or exposed to other people. All shame is relational. And so when he talks about being clothed from our shame, there's a relational component to all of that. And he talks about being clothed from, from that. How many of you guys know that, that condemnation and shame is not from God? We're supposed to walk confident, confident before God. Why? Because we have been given the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. It says that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We need to walk confidently before God and confidently before others because we are in right standing with Jesus Christ because of what he did on the cross, because he died for our sins. He paid the price. He gives us, we give him our sin. He gives us the gift of his right standing, his righteousness before God. I'm so thankful for that, right? But if you want to be walking in relationship and refined by relationships, we don't just need confidence. Not just confidence before God and even others. It's like we don't just need time. We need time plus hunger. We don't just need confidence. If we want to be refined by relationships, we need confidence plus humility. Confidence plus humility. Relationships require humility. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, addresses this specifically. It says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. And here he uses the same language that's used in Revelation chapter 3. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with what? With humility towards one another. 
For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We need confidence plus humility. What's humility? Well, I could define humility in a lot of different ways. One of my favorite definitions of humility is trading my thoughts for God's thoughts because that's saying I'm not in charge. If I can think God's thoughts, that's the ultimate form of humility. God's thoughts towards others, God's thoughts towards myself, towards the world. But let let me practically play that out for, for many of us. If you want to be refined by relationships, humility is a willingness to be discipled. Humility is a willingness to be corrected. Humility is a willingness to repent. Humility is a willingness to change. Because do you know that growth, if if you say I want to grow in God, and I want to grow in relationships with other people, growth does not happen without change. And so if you are comfortable and have decided to stay who you are, you will never grow by definition. And so in order for any growth to be legit, for it to be real, for you to mean what you say, there has to be a willingness to let go of who you currently are so that you can step into who you're supposed to be. You have to be willing to say who I am has to change into who I'm supposed to be. That takes humility because most of us are comfortable just fine with who we are. We think that that down deep, we're we're saying, God, I want to grow. God, I want to go further. But we're not putting together the pieces that that means we have to step out of our old life and step into a new life through the help of Jesus. That every day we're stepping into a new. You know, creation, we're a new creation. That's Part of that is instantaneously, it happens at salvation, and then the other part happens through the renewing of our mind daily as we walk with Jesus. So it's a willingness to be discipled. You know that there's a, some of us are like, well, I, I'm, I'm very teachable. I mean, I, I'm learning things all the time. I'm listening to this podcast and that book, and I'm reading my Bible, and I'm, I'm growing all of the time. I'm very teachable. There's a big difference between acquiring knowledge and actually being teachable. There's a difference between learning and being teachable. See, being teachable requires relationships. And in our you know, day where it's like grab a podcast off the internet, grab a book, order a book off of Amazon, you know, go to this church for a while, go to that church for a while, and we never plug deep into relationships, you may be acquiring knowledge. You may be learning a lot of stuff. But the Bible says knowledge only puffs up, but it's love that builds up. See, you can have knowledge without relationship, but you can't have love without relationship. And so if we want to be teachable, teachability requires proximity towards other people. You have to be close. Why? So that sometimes that refining happens through relationships. Refining happens in relationships. And you can gain all of this new knowledge. You can gain all of this stuff. You can read these books. You can listen to this new podcast. You can go to this new church. Whatever it is, right? But if it doesn't work itself out, your new knowledge, if it doesn't work itself out in real relationships, let me just say it this way, it's not real spiritual growth. Because it has to work itself out in relationship because God is a relational God. And he put us together in a church with relational people and he put us together with a heart to love a relational world, right? And so if it doesn't work itself out, so relationships, hear hear me clearly, relationships keep our spiritual growth honest. Because we can deceive ourselves into thinking we're growing, but if it doesn't work itself out in relationship, 
If it doesn't work itself out in our marriage, in our family, in our church life, in our small group, in our humility of walking with one another, it's, it's not real spiritual growth. It may be knowledge, but it's not actual growth. And I know that's a bold statement, but I believe it's true. I believe experientially that's true, that whenever I look at my life, I can, I can acquire a lot of stuff, but until it actually puts into play in my relationships, it's not really sticking. It's not really doing a lot. And most of us value our relationships by what do they add to my life? We surround ourselves with a group of people that builds up our life. And that's, that's a good thing, right? Building, having people who are there to encourage you and having good people in your life, right people in your life. But what if some relationships God had in your life right now, not to add something, but actually to take something away? What if it was to subtract something from your life that actually needs to go? And if you don't get in proximity with people, you may hang on to that because you never have to bump up against that part of your life that needs to be subtracted. But we don't want to do that, do we? I mean, we just don't want to do that because it is uncomfortable. But God does use relationships to refine us. He does use relationships in our life to do that. So we, we have to live in that tension of a confident humility and be refined by that. The last thing is this, that we're refined by revelation. Back to our key verse, Revelation chapter three, verse 18. I counsel you to buy gold from me, gold, or buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And then he says his last thing, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. He's saying to that church, you need to see something that you currently can't see because you have a blind spot. You know, every one of us have blind spots in our life. And if you don't think you have one, it's because a blind spot is something you can't see. You, you would never be able to see it, right? Without revelation, without the Holy Spirit revealing it to you, or without the Holy Spirit speaking through someone else to reveal that to you so that now we can see. And so if we want to be refined, we're actually also refined by revelation. And revelation requires the Holy Spirit. And that's the, the third ingredient I look for in growing disciples and leaders is a hunger for God. So humility, a teachability, and the work, the evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work in their life. If you get those three things going in your life, you got something going on. You take one of them away, if you got, you take one of them away, any one of those, and something just doesn't seem to function right. The Holy Spirit may be wanting to work in your life, and you may be humble, but if you don't have that hunger, it's going to sputter out. If you've got a hunger, and, and you're open to the Holy Spirit, but you have no humility, you're not teachable, and you'll end up ruining relationships. You'll end up not staying in a church very long. You can't be pastored or discipled or be in a relationship with one another. It's not going to last. So you need all three of these things. And God uses people to reveal things to us supernaturally at times. And I've had this in my life before. When I was 14 years old, I was in Detroit, inner city Detroit, on a missions trip, and we're there renovating a church. And this, we had this service time, and this pastor came and prayed over me, and he began to really, by revelation, begin to prophesy and speak into my life. And he spoke several things over me, but one of the things is this. He said, uh, one day you'll preach to multitudes. And at that point, it was like just like the window opened. It's like the lid came off. It's like all of a sudden the possibilities, the revelation by someone, God using someone to speak and to see something in me 
that maybe I had hints at. But when somebody spoke that, it's like all of a sudden the lid came off. All of a sudden the, the window opened up to heaven for me to have faith to believe it. See, that's revelation. You, you need re relationships in that as well. My old youth pastor, he, he saw things in me that by that time I was fairly confident in. But when he spoke them, all of a sudden it gave me firm footing to be able to start walking in those things. Many of you guys have had experiences like that, right? Where, where somebody has spoke that in your life. Maybe some of you haven't, though. I've, I've had God use me in that way towards people a lot where, where all of a sudden I'll see something and I'll just, by faith, I'll just speak it out. I'm like, this doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I'm, I'm just gonna speak that because that's what I hear God saying to me for you. And it's like something opens up. And God wants to do that. And God, I want you to understand that God can look at you right now through his perfect will for your life. In other words, had you made every right decision, God can look at that version of you and then relate to you as that. You just think about that. See, a lot of times we relate to God out of our failure. We relate to God out of our, uh, out of our experience. But God can relate to us out of he, who he knows, who will be in eternity. And he, sure, he disciplines. Sure, he corrects. We just talked about that. But he also, he's knocking at the door of your heart as well. And he says, I want to fellowship with you. And so our job is to be open to the revelation that God speaks to us and then begin to walk that out by faith. That's our job. It's to hear what God says, see what God sees, and to walk that out by faith. And sometimes we need other people to be able to speak that into our life. You see, uh, this is Father's Day, right? And I think that some of us, many of us have had good earthly fathers, but many of us have not. But in the Old Testament, there was something, there was part of the, the culture, but they would speak a blessing. One generation would speak a blessing over the others. Abraham spoke a blessing over Isaac. Isaac spoke a blessing over Jacob. Jacob spoke a blessing over his sons, which became the 12 tribes of Israel. There was a process of imparting a blessing, which was also revealing identity. And some of us have never had that. We've had a lot of things spoken over us that are negative, but we have never had a blessing spoken over us. And so as I was praying for this weekend, this is what I saw. I'm going to have worship team come back up. But this is what I saw. I saw... Just a couple fathers, I've asked a couple fathers who are uh, spiritual fathers in our house, but actual fathers, and I've asked them just to come and to pray a blessing over us. And for some of you, I, I just want you to receive it. It's not your natural father, but just receive it as a blessing from God being spoken over you. And I believe that even supernaturally during, the, during this time, some things can be revealed to you if we have open hearts and if we have eyes to see and ears to hear. That there's something significant about what's about to happen. Some of you guys have grown up without a father in the house. And there's gonna be something significant, something healing that even happens during this moment. Others of you, God wants to just confirm things in you or reveal things to you. And so we want to paint a picture of that. And so I've asked a couple fathers, and what we're going to do is actually just kind of do two things at once, that uh, at least one of the fathers is going to pray over their natural family while simultaneously pray praying over the spiritual family as a picture of what can happen and what, what needs to happen. And, and listen, if you, parents, if you're in the room right now, uh, your kids are there, you can lay your hands on them right during this time. 
If they're not in the room, you, know, you can get them in your heart and get them in your mind during this time as well and just, just have that, that moment as well. So would you guys stand up with me? And we're going to have this moment of blessing. And we're just gonna have a couple people come. And so even just kind of put yourself in a posture of being ready to receive whatever that is. Close your eyes or whatever that is for you. And I'm gonna have these fathers come up and then we're gonna have uh, the families come up too. Richard, I'll start with you. Thank you. I need to take a second and uh, regain the life force I lost coming up those steps. <laughs> um, my family down here. This is part of my family. Uh, Judah is here. Okay. Um, you'll hear a little touch of Graham Cook in this because he's influenced my mind and my heart a lot over the last couple of years. This blessing is in three parts. And at the end of each part, I'll ask you, if you receive that, say amen. And what I ask you to do is to just relax. Just open your heart. Listen to God. Do you know that God has given us the ability? Oh, Jen, you need to come up too. God has given us the ability to choose to open our hearts. So just say, God, I open my heart to whatever you would speak to me. So open your heart and receive. The first blessing is may you know the Father's love. There is nothing you could do that would make him love you more. Nothing. And there is nothing that you could do that would make him love you less. He loves you because he loves you, 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 because he loves you. Because that's what he's like. That's his nature to love. And you will always be the beloved. God has this amazing ability to love each one of you as if you were the only person alive. He can give you 100% of his love and his love is not diminished so that somebody else receives less. His love is unchanging. He loves you 100%. He won't love you any better when you become better. He loves you 100% right now. And even if you have no plans to become better, He loves you 100% right now because He loves you, 
because that's the way he is. He loves you all the way, all the time. May you receive that love of the Father. If you receive that, say amen. The second blessing is may you hear the voice of Jesus. His sheep hear his voice. May you have a burning desire to experiment and learn all of the ways in which he, you can hear his voice. He will show you the right path at every single tipping point. He will bring the fullness of sozo salvation to you. He will bring you comfort and peace through his voice. May you learn exactly how he speaks to you. May you strongly desire for him to lead you and to protect you. If you receive that, say amen. Finally, may you, yes, I'm talking to you, may you see the power of God in your lifetime. It's our heritage to see the power of God in our generation. May you see his power and not shrink back, but embrace it. May your eyes see healings signs and wonders just as if you walked with Jesus with the disciples and may you thereby enter a whole new realm of praise and thanksgiving you are the beloved enter into the blessings of your father so live lo, live with the love of God hear the voice of Jesus as you journey and walk into the new thing that God has for you. If you receive that, say amen. Okay. Amen. Ben, would you come on up and pray? All right. Well, <clears throat> I don't have all the fancy stuff Richard has, but <laughs> um, I'm just going to pray over you guys. I just believe God has so much for us. And like Sean's saying, it's yeah, my family can come on down, but uh, that God has so much he wants to do in us and through us. And we just, we just have to welcome that and be willing to be used. So I'm just going to pray real quick. God, I just pray for everybody in this church, God. God, I pray, I don't know exactly where everybody's at, God, but just like Richard said, God, I just pray that they would feel your love today on Father's Day, God. And God, that they would know that you have so much more for them, God, that just like Sean said, you don't see all the failures. God, you see them exactly the way that you created them, God. And there's so much potential, God. If the people would just see that and know, God, that they, you are looking for them to hook up with your plan for their life, God, and to carry something great, God. I just pray that it doesn't matter where everybody's been in the past, God, that you have a perfect plan and they are loved by you and you have a perfect plan for them to walk out from today, from today, God. I just pray that you would help everybody to just feel the love that you have for them, God. I pray, God, that they would feel and know that the purpose that you have for them, God, that it doesn't matter, like I said, who, where they've been or what they've done, God, you have a major, major plan for their life, 
a purpose for their life, God. I pray that they would begin to seek that out, God, in Jesus' name, that they would seek out the purpose that you have put in front of them and realize that you have influence, people that you want them to influence around you, around them, God. I just pray, God, that you would use these people, God. They would feel your love. They would know the purpose and plan that you have desire for them, God. And God, just that you desire, above all, a relationship with them. God, I pray that you would help them to seek that out as they walk this week, God, just a, a pure and honest relationship with you, God. If they've never done that, God, I pray that, you, that they would know that that is the plan that you have. Above all, above any work you can, they can do for you, God, they would know that you truly want a relationship with them, and that's where it all starts. And I just pray that over this church, God, in Jesus' name, and I pray that you would do something in them, in Jesus' name. And I pray over all of us right now that we would have encounters with God that are undeniable. Lord, that you would do above anything that we could ask or think or even dream. And that you would take the lid off of our thinking, that you would show us your glory in our lifetime, that we would see a move of God that would start in us, every single person here. Let families be blessed. Let families be intact, serving the Lord together for generation to generation to generation. Lord, we declare that over these people. In the name of Jesus, we pray.